Boy, oh boy, I tell you what, this has got to be absolutely killing the news media. Even CNN at this point has had to run this headline. You ready for this article they put out? Mitch McConnell is going to win, in parentheses, again. Oh, it's got to be absolutely killing them and destroying them. Now, there's this, so here's the new narrative, though, that the Democrat Party along with their accomplices in the mainstream media, are trying to run with. The whole thing about, why don't you let the American people, let the voters decide. Here's the thing. So let me debunk that right now for you, all right? In 2016, we let the American voters decide. In 2016, the American people elected Donald J. Trump as President of the United States, giving him the, you know, the executive branch. Now, in 2018, the American people, the voters, decided to give the Republicans a majority in the Senate. Now, there's this thing we have in this country. It's called the Constitution, and it reads like this. Article 2, Section 2. The executive branch, the president, he shall have power by and with the advice and consent of of the Senate to make treaties to provide two-thirds of the senators uh, present concur he shall nominate and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors other public ministers and councils judges of the Supreme Court and all other offices officers of the United States there you go it's written it's as clear as day this decision is all for and this is what did barack obama say elections have consequences so they have to deal with it now the democrat and they did this to themselves in 2013 harry reid blocking the filibuster you know using the nuclear option and saying all you don't need a supermajority. all you need is a majority Mitch McConnell warned Harry Reid, warned the Democrat Party seven years ago in 2013 that if you're going to do this, and they did, he said he used he uh, said quote if you're going to you know you're going to break the rules of the Senate. That's exactly what they did. Now things have come full circle, and McConnell said back in 2013, you are going to regret this. And now look at them. Now look at the media. Now look at the Democrat Party. They are virtually, I think there was an article in the Washington Post today that said, they are powerless. This is going to happen. And the only people that the Democrat Party have to blame for this is themselves. Again, McConnell warned them. They didn't heed that warning. Now look where they are. Now the power is given to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is uh, just wrapping up a rally in uh, Moon Township, Pennsylvania. Again, you know, again, just an energetic, electrified, enthusiastic crowd, which you're not going to get. Biden could not. Biden hasn't even attempted at this point to even try and do a rally like the president of the united states does he could not get the amount of people that donald trump gets to come to those rallies to be so fired up and energetic you know so much there's just it's all you could just see that they are loving you know the the chant that broke out we love you 
it's the 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 bond that Donald Trump has with the American people and the voters of this country. That's something that Joe Biden in his wildest dreams could never ever get there. The new phrase that the president's going with that he's done more in 47 months than Joe Biden has done in 47 years in politics. It's fantastic. It's a campaign slogan. Run with that. On top of make America great again, again. You know, Joe Biden, if he was going to, it, it's so easy. The argument is so easy to make. If Joe Biden was going to implement all the different changes that now, and by, by the way, he just, he's flip-flopping on absolutely everything. If he was going to implement those changes, if he wanted to build, you know, the, a more perfect union, he would have done it already for eight long years in this country. Joe Biden was the second most powerful man. Joe Biden did nothing. Joe Biden has a record that indicates that 95 million Americans were out of the labor force. Contrast that with Donald Trump's economy, which we saw was the best in modern times, arguably in the history of this country. Unemployment for blacks, uh, Asians, Hispanic Americans, women, youths, disabled Americans, all at record historic lows. That's something Joe Biden never, ever implemented. And as far as the Supreme uh, Supreme Court decision goes and who's going to be nominated there, Joe Biden hasn't even released the list of his Supreme Court nominees. So how could you possibly run an argument saying, yeah, well, we, we want to let the voters decide and the next president should be able to decide. Well, we're still in the end of Donald Trump's first term. We're still in the end of the Republican majority's um, term in the United States Senate. The decision belongs to the Republican, to the Senate, controlled by the Republicans, and the executive branch, controlled by Donald Trump, again, a Republican. Uh, he tweeted earlier today, uh, I will be announcing my Supreme Court nominee on Saturday at the White House, the exact time uh, to be announced, which we know that time now is at uh, 5 p.m. But listen to this, because, you know, the three senators, as far as, um, you know, the whole impeachment uh, thing went, and then we had the uh, the Kavanaugh confirmation, you know, it's always Romney, Murkowski, and Collins. So here, I, I, I was kind of... There was a part of me that was surprised, a part of me that thought, okay, Mitt, you're finally being a Republican. You're finally doing the right thing. Maybe you finally get it, that your hatred of Donald Trump hasn't outweighed your love for this country at this point in time. So eight minutes after Donald Trump released that um, tweet on the Twitter box, uh, this is what, or excuse me, nine minutes actually, um, it, it really doesn't matter, but Romney released this statement. He says, quote, my decision regarding a Supreme Court nomination is not the result of a subjective test of fairness, which, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. It is based on the immutable fairness of following the law, which in this case is the Constitution and precedent. The historical precedent of election year nominations is that the Senate generally does not confirm an opposing party's nominee, but does confirm a nominee of its own. 
The Constitution gives the President the power to nominate and the Senate the authority to provide advice and consent on Supreme Court nominees. Accordingly, I intend to follow the Constitution and precedent in considering the President's nominee. If the nominee reaches the Senate floor, I intend to vote based upon their qualifications. Now, Mitt Romney is accurate in um, following the precedent here and giving the history behind it because history shows, and uh, the senator from Texas, Ted Cruz, um, tweeted this earlier, history shows Senate confirms election year nominees when the same party as the President of the United States, 17 out of 19 times, and blocks nominees when there are different parties, that being two out of 10 times. So Ted Cruz is accurate in that. Mitt Romney's accurate in that. And I just, I give props. I give respect to Mitt Romney in this light. And it's so funny because once you lose the president, once you're the nominee uh, from the, one of the two, uh, for Republican or Democrat, and you're, you know, it's you versus someone else in um, Mitt Romney's case, him against Barack Obama uh, in 2012, Hillary Clinton in 2016. It's like that after they lose, they get just this, I, I guess it's like an angry sort of situation going on, like this bitterness to them. And we saw it as well. Oh, and Sydney, Cindy McCain, the widow of John McCain, has come out and she's endorsing Joe Biden now. As, I mean, as if that does Biden any favors or as if that hurts Trump at all. You know, I don't see any voters changing their mind because Cindy McCain is endorsing Joe Biden. I don't see it happening at all. But anyway... So McCain had that about him, Romney had that about him, and now Hillary Clinton has that. Oh, Hillary Clinton today, she's coming out with a brand new podcast, which who in their right mind would ever listen to that crazy, deranged, lunatic talk for hours on a podcast. Um, I know for sure that I don't want any part of that. But anyway, so I applaud Mitt Romney, and I applaud his decision to go forward and say that you know he's he's going to give uh, the um, the nominee a fair hearing. Which, by the way, it's it seems as if we're down to two people now. As uh, as Amy Coney Barrett goes, <clears throat> who is the um, the judge? Uh, she's on the uh, uh, I believe it's the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals in um, Illinois, and then um, you have uh, Barbara Lagoya, who's on the 7th Circuit. Uh, Court of Appeals in um, Florida. It might have those two flip up, but either way, um, you see, and uh, imagine if it's um, Barbara Lagoya from Florida, you know, a Cuban immigrant woman. <laughs> imagine the left trying to bring her down, trying to slander her name. Oh, they're already out there as far as uh, Coney Barrett goes. Reuters has an article called Handmaid's Tale, you know, and trying to <laughs> equate her with... Um, with the show, The Handmaid Tales, if she's like some, you know, some nun person. I personally have never seen any show called The Handmaid Tale, but I see what it's about. I see which way um, they're going about it already. There's just this, there's just such a bitterness between with the media right now and the Democrat Party. But again, they only have themselves to blame. And as far as so now, the Senate Judiciary Committee, they do not, because I'm seeing this argument um out there nowadays is that you know they have no obligation there is nothing in the constitution that says that they have to have hearings 
uh, you know, for the, whoever the nominee is. You know, they did that for Brett Kavanaugh. We saw how the, I mean, the whole Blase Ford situation. Blase Ford, we all knew that as soon as this was over with, as soon as Kavanaugh was confirmed to the uh, Supreme Court, we were never, ever, ever going to hear from her again. Who knows how much money she was paid? As far as I'm concerned, why is she not being prosecuted? Why are there not charges being pressed against Blase Ford, who said under oath 100% it was Brett Kavanaugh? We now know through all the people that were there and, um, corroborated Brett Kavanaugh's story that, you know, he never even knew her, he never saw her, this never happened, you know, her, her friends were even coming out and saying that this never happened, why is, why does she, is she just allowed to walk free? It was all a political stunt, but never forget, again, you know, one of my biggest concerns that after the election, we'll forget just how far left the Democratic Party really well and truly moved. But on top of that, we should never forget earlier this year when coronavirus came into the United States, what were the Democrats busy doing? Oh, that's right. The House Democrats were busy impeaching Donald Trump. Oh, and Nancy Pelosi, who says, yeah, we'll use as many uh, arrows in our quiver as we possibly have. Let me tell you something. Nancy Pelosi has nothing left. Nancy Pelosi controls the House of Representatives. She has nothing to do with Supreme Court justices and with the Senate. Not a single thing. That's the executive branch and the Senate. That's it. So whatever she's talking about, what, is she going to continue to impeach Donald Trump? Is that really what she wants? Does she want to put the country through that again? We should never forget that. But then rewind even further back. And but think about what the Democrats did. They lost the Senate in 2018 because of their antics towards Brett Kavanaugh. We know that because Manchin was the only one who didn't vote straight down party line. And Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Democrat senator, he confirmed Kavanaugh. Guess what? Joe Manchin is still a U.S. senator. Because he gave Brett Kavanaugh a fair process and, 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 and decided to confirm him and say, yes, you know, this is all garbage what we put you through, he still has his job. So the Senate Democrats, as far as I'm concerned, let the hearings go. If you're the Senate Judiciary Committee, if you're uh, the chairman, that being Lindsey Graham, you know, you talk to Mitch McConnell say, guess what? They're going to kill themselves again. They don't learn. The left never learns. We know that the Democrats now, they're advocating for violence. We need to act in unprecedented ways, says uh, AOC, you know, while she's doing a press conference on Sunday with Charles E. Schumer in the Senate. Oh, and uh, uh, Schumer was doing a uh, press conference today, and I, I, I know I have it here um, somewhere. And I yeah, here it is. A, a heckler yells at Schumer and says, you ain't doing, you know what, stop lying to the people. And another one, and it, and it, um, it stopped Schumer right in his tracks. It totally um, distracted him from his conference. He had to stop. Another one says, Jesus saves. So um, you see how the American people feel about Chuck Schumer. But here's something else that happened. Um, and this was last night. Don Lemon. 
on CNN. Don Lemon, you ready for this? He gets on there right as um so his show comes on after uh fredo cuomo on cnn and he says you know what we need to blow up the entire system stack the courts get four more senators from dc and um puerto rico and get rid of the electoral college now don lemon has said himself when a, a guest, I forget who the guest was, but he threw at him and said, you are a Democrat. He said, no, I'm not a Democrat. I'm a journalist. Now, by his own admission, should he be out there, as far as the integrity of journalism goes, should he be out there advocating and saying, we as what? We as journalists alongside the Democrat Party because it's not going our way right now? Because this is our fault? Because we broke the rules of the Senate seven years ago in 2013? Even when Mitch McConnell said, don't do this, you're going to regret this. Now that they only have themselves to blame for the situation there is, a so-called journalists on CNN, Don Lemon, blow up the entire system get rid of the electoral college pack the courts get two new senators that's what a so-called journalist is advocating for on cnn these people could not be any phonier you wonder why i call them the pathological prolific pathetic liars in the media here's exactly why why is don lemon giving tips giving advice to the democrat party he shouldn't be by all means there you know um journalism in this country very much is under attack by these people by democrats posing in the media to be unbiased to be covered to do straight news straight news reporting it doesn't happen anymore that's why cnn that's why the cnn has been branded by the president fake news cnn that's a title that is not going away and the easiest example, forget what Don Lemon points out, but look at the guy who's on before him, Fredo Cuomo, the brother of the governor of New York, the son of former governor of New York, Mario Cuomo. Really, do we really truly think that he's going to be unbiased? You know, the same person who, you know, basically faked coronavirus having it? Who said, wow, this is the time I get to emerge from my basement. We know that was a lie because he was on his own radio show out there complaining about some guy seeing him in the Hamptons. Totally fake, totally phony. That's why they're called fake news CNN. Now, there's a reporter on One American News, Jack Posobiec, who uh, tweeted out on the Twitter box this uh, statement. This was an email, he says, from Antifa uh group refuse fascism i'm you know i'm so sick of antifa anti-fascist right they themselves don't understand because they're losers they have nothing to live for no one in this country or in this entire world loves them they're all pathetic human trash this is what they say because they they're so against fascism when we know that they're the fascists themselves listen to this email that they sent um, to Jack Posobiec, like I said, one American news reporter. We face a critical crossroads. The hour is late, but not too late. 
relying only on our voting will lead to disaster. Now think about that. So they know that they are in this small minority in this country, that the United States of America is totally rejecting Antifa and totally rejecting Black Lives Matter because they know Antifa is nothing but a terrorist organization, a domestic terrorist organization. Now, as far as Black Lives Matter go, we know the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, Patrice Cullors, has publicly come out and stated, it's not like she's trying to hide it. She has said, our ideological frame, we are trained Marxists. They understand now, with this statement just alone here, relying only on our voting will lead to disaster. Now, let me continue. The Trump-Pence regime is subverting the election now and preparing to nullify it. Now, in what way have you ever seen them do that? If anyone's trying to undermine the election, it's the Democrat Party and the news media. Waiting to act till they do so will be too late. Trump's MAGA mobs maraud around the country in water and land caravans. Like, what are they even talking about? These people are psychotic. They murder protesters and innocent people by guns and by their cars. Last time I checked that, you are the people that are doing that. You morons. They spread COVID. They are inflamed with passionate reactionary intensity all for the purpose of rousing their followers and intimidating and demoralizing all who should be standing up for justice. What complete and utter nonsense. But that's really how these people truly think. They're total morons and they don't understand that the majority of the American people have rejected them and are going to continue to reject them. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, people that have caused violence, and murders in this country have no place, none whatsoever, in our American family. And by the way, and, and that email goes to show you that by no means are they supporters of Donald Trump and Mike Pence. These are all Joe Biden supporters. All the people for Antifa, all the people of Black Lives Matter, the ones that are causing rioting and chaos and violence and anarchy on our streets, all Democrats, all liberals, all have to, and I would argue that a lot of them are having to side with Joe Biden or because their nominee, their total communist, coward, evil son of a gun, Bernie Sanders, because again, the Democrat Party screwed him over. You know, I always made the point, in 2016, Hillary Clinton had complete control of the Democrat Party. How did that become a thing? Well, the Democrat Party going into the election were $30 million in debt. Hillary Clinton paid off the debt of the Democrat Party. One of the nominees for the part, one of the candidates at that point in time, paying off the party's debt. It was always rigged against Bernie Sanders, but Bernie Sanders, here he comes four years later, now, maybe this time you'll get a fair, and again, he was in the top two with Biden this time. It's the same exact thing, but Bernie has, these are Bernie Sanders supporters on the streets causing the violence, the anarchy. Those are all Bernie Sanders supporters. Now that Bernie is in ties with Joe Biden, they all have to follow and be with Biden as well, but they're so unhappy about it that they have to destroy businesses 
destroy families, you know, destroy people's lives because they lost a, two elections in a row. I mean, it's sickening. It's disgusting. Now, they're the guy at the top of their ticket, Joe Biden. Yesterday, Biden tries to say, I mean, my goodness, he literally tries to say the Pledge of Allegiance. He can't even do that. He says, quote, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, one nation, in, indivisible, un, under God, for real. Joe, you're not there. This is a guy who is just, he's not even sane. All joking aside, you know, whether it be Biden saying, if you ain't vote for me, if you even consider voting for Donald Trump, then, then you ain't black. You know, that or, you know, what what are you, some kind of junkie man? Or come on, man, you know, all of that set aside, Joe Biden, being the leader of the free world, being the most powerful man in this country and in the entire world is a danger. We will bow down to China if Joe Biden is elected. Joe Biden makes clear that he's friends with President Xi, that that's his buddy, that's his pal. He said before, you know, he was out there shears in a glass with President Xi. He says, no, they're not, they're not bad people, man. And we built this, we built this together. Well, Donald Trump, compare that to what Donald Trump said today in his United Nations speech. Donald Trump says, quote, the United Nations must hold China accountable for their actions. Um, here's the full quote. As we pursue this bright future, we must hold them accountable. In the earliest days of the virus, China locked down travel domestically while allowing flights to leave China and infect the world. China condemned my travel ban on their country even as they canceled domestic flights and locked citizens in their homes. The Chinese government and the World Health Organization, which is virtually controlled by China, falsely declared that there was no evidence of human-to-human -human transmission. January 14th, if you want to go through the Twitter box, you can find the tweet there. Later, they falsely said people without symptoms would not spread the disease. The United Nations must hold China accountable for their actions. In addition, every year China dumps millions and millions of tons of plastic and trash into the ocean, overfishes other countries' waters, destroys vast swaths of, cor of um, coral reef, and emits more toxic mercury into the atmosphere than any country anywhere in the world. China's carbon emissions are nearly twice what the U.S. has, and it's rising fast. By contrast, after I withdrew from the one-sided Paris Climate Accord last year, listen to this, the, the whole people, Greta Thornburg and all your little climate change activists out there who really believe that man-made climate change is a thing and it's going to destroy our country in 12 years' time, going to destroy the world. Last year, America reduced its carbon emissions by more than any other country in the agreement. Just unbelievable. We still have people, I mean, Greta Thornburg, you know, utilizing a, a child who has Asperger's syndrome is just, that's how low the Democrat Party 
and the liberals will go to, you know, to try and take down this president. Now, let me continue um, with the Supreme Court. Ruth, this was in um, redstate.com, uh, an article there. Ruth Bader Ginsburg could have named her successor. All she needed to do was what Anthony Kennedy had the foresight to do. Anthony Kennedy announced his retirement from the Supreme Court in the summer of 2018 at the age of 83. He did so knowing that a Republican president would pick his successor and the Senate was in control of the Republican majority leader, Mitch McConnell. Democrat Harry Reid was Senate majority leader for the first six years of the Obama presidency. In 2013 and 2014, the last two years in which Reid controlled the Senate, Ginsburg was 80 to 81 years old. Had she announced her retirement, which she could have done and could have told Obama who she wanted to replace her, he says, I'm guessing he would have accepted her request. She had already suffered through two bouts of cancer. Colon cancer first detected in 1999, and pancreatic cancer detected in 2009. Only those who were close to her can offer any insights into her thinking for not choosing to retire at that time in order to resolve with certainty and favorably the person who would replace her and likely serve 30 or more years on the court. Justice Ginsburg sacrificed that opportunity so she would continue to write dissents on cases of interest to her. Again, not a bigger activist on the court than Ginsburg, uh, since she was almost certainly going to remain in the losing minority on most such cases. It comes down to her being selfish. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was selfish. One, one supposition is, is simply that she was confident Hillary Clinton would win in 2016. She tempted fate, and fate taught a cruel lesson. Uh, he says Donald Trump is probably among the five names of people from her life in New York she would have listed to not have the opportunity to name a replacement on the court. But yet, that's where we are. The Democrats can blame Barack Obama and Harry Reid, too. When Obama was first elected president in 2008, Popular victory swept down into the Senate with Democrats gaining eight seats in that election, knocking off five GOP incumbents and winning three open seats previously held by the GOP. The Democrats held 57 seats and had two independents who caucus with them. Yet, just six years later, oh, excuse me there for a second. Like I said, typically professional phone would go off, right? Yet just six years later, based on GOP opposition to the policies pursued by Obama and the Democrats in Congress, the GOP regained control of the Senate. In other words, elections have consequences. Obama himself said that. In 2008, the Democrats lost nine Senate seats, five lost re-election bids, and the GOP took over the seats of four Democrats who retired rather than face difficult races in a hostile environment. That's why the GOP refused to give Barack Obama a vote on Merrick Garland. The U.S. electorate had overwhelmingly rejected the first six years of the Obama administration and resoundingly 
delivered control of the Senate to the Republicans. The midterm election of 2014 was the functional equivalent of a no-confidence vote in the Obama administration. He finishes the article by saying that was the political landscape that Ginsburg's gamble placed into her own party. So the persons or groups responsible for President Trump having been given the opportunity to nominate Justice Ginsburg's replacement and Mitch McConnell holding the authority to move that nomination to a confirmation vote, Justice Ginsburg herself, Barack Obama, Harry Reid, and the American electorate. Again, as I've previously um, said, the Democrat Party have only themselves to blame for the position they're in right now. Now, on Saturday, there was a woman who was accused of um, of mailing, you know, I, I, uh, the Secret Service um, intercepted ricin, which is a poison, by the way, and it was being mailed to Donald Trump. So now listen to this. Now we know it was, a, it was a Canadian woman, and I'm telling you right now, if you look up the woman in this, her name's Pascal Ferrier, Ferrier of uh, Quebec. If you look her up, you would, you would be forgiven if you thought that that was a man. Oh my goodness gracious, that is, you know, to quote Austin Powers, that, that's an ugly woman. Oh, and this was even better, by the way, because she was taken into custody by the U.S. Uh, Customs and Border Protection Agents. It's right here in my hometown of Buffalo, so that's fantastic. And she's expected to appear in federal court to face charges. Now, here's the real issue here. What, you know, besides the fact that she's sending poison to the President of the United States, this is, and now this is allegedly, this hasn't been confirmed, but this Twitter account from someone in Quebec with the same name, Pascal Ferrier, says this, she um, tweeted this on September 9th of this year. I just read that tweet. This tweet, by the way, has been deleted that um, she was replying to. But listen to this. I just read this tweet. I agree. Nobody did anything. It's time to change. Listen to this hashtag, hashtag she puts out there. Kill Trump. Again, this is the Democrat Party. These are liberals all over this country and people that, and, and by the way, the amount of influence that the U.S. and the U.S. politicians have goes to all the way throughout this entire world. Like I always say, the world stops to watch our election year and to see who we put in charge. Well, this woman from Canada is sending a letter of poison to the president of the United States. All that violence all of that has been influenced by the Democrat Party, by the liberals in this country. Now, you want to talk about, now the DOJ, we know what the DOJ came out and said yesterday. Federal funding to Seattle, to Portland, to New York City, where there's been violence, where, the, where it's overwhelmingly controlled by liberals. The mayor of uh, Portland, Ted Wheeler, the mayor of New York City, the alligator, the, the biggest, you know, the one that's politicized coronavirus more than anyone else in this entire country, Bill de Blasio, and then the mayor of Seattle, uh, Jenny Durkin. They all, you know, of course they're furious about it, but Donald Trump warned them. He said, if you can't clean this up, if you can't get your city straightened out, which you were elected to do by the people who live there, then guess what? You're losing your funding. 
Well, they chose not to act. They chose to ignore what was going on in their streets. And they chose to get angry and upset and try to, again, politicize this against Donald Trump. Well, now listen to what the Environmental Protection Agency boss said um, uh, today. He said, uh, by the way, the, um, the guy's name is, uh, here, I got it uh, up right here, Wheeler of some kind. Here it is right here. Andrew R. Wheeler. He is the environmental protection, the head of the Environmental Protection Agency, where uh, the EPA, where, um, where it has its headquarters um, in uh, lower Manhattan, uh, the federal agency's office. Now, this is what he said. He's blaming the ongoing protests um, on, we'll get ready for this, Governor of New York City, as I like to say, and the mayor of New York City, Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio. This is what his letter said. If you cannot demonstrate that the EPA employees will be safe accessing our city offices, then I will begin the process of looking for a new location for our headquarters outside of the city that can maintain order. I have an obligation, he said, listen to this, you, you'd want this out of a leader, right? I have an obligation to our employees, and if the city is unwilling or incapable of doing its job, I will do mine and move them to a location that can completely fulfill the basic mission of a local government. The demonstrators engaged in unwarranted violent activity at the facility, breaking windows and defacing, destroying government property. He says, I am not having that. So there is, you know, again, how many people have we seen move out of New York State just this year alone? And it's been trending that way because people don't want to put up with Governor Andrew Cuomo, with the mayor of New York City. Bill de Blasio, they don't want any part of that. That in itself is a losing effort. Now, listen to this. Speaking of losing efforts, Joy Behar on The View, who is just a complete moron, and it's okay, you know, she can criticize anyone else for wearing blackface, but when she does it, she says, oh, no, it's just homage, and that's okay. By the way, they had Kimberly uh, Claysek on there. She's running for Congress in Baltimore. She's a black woman. And, and she called her out on that, and they abruptly ended the interview. You know, the one host, Sonny Hostin, or whatever her name is, you know, she just turned her back completely. That's, by the way, that's the Democrat Party to a T. Listen to what, ba even Behar, though, is starting to concede here. She says, quote, um, today, we were talking about the replacement for Justice Ginsburg. That's what Whoopi Goldberg, that's the question she posed to um, uh, Behar. Uh, Joy, what's your feeling? This is what she said, quote, you know, I was thinking about the Supreme Court because we've lost that battle. I don't want to talk about the Republicans anymore. We've lost the battle. Now, that doesn't mean we lost the Senate. Those are the states up for grabs, Colorado, Georgia, Iowa, Maine, Montana. Now, it, as far as she goes, North Carolina, which Tom Tillis in North Carolina, South Carolina and Texas, you can just forget about South Carolina and Texas right now. She should have, and Megan McCain uh, pointed out that it's um, Arizona is the one. By the way, for the, the uh, Republicans there, um, as far as uh, the incumbents in the Senate, you have McSally in Arizona. 
and and by the way there's truth to this that this is where the senate will be won or lost arizona uh mcsally colorado uh cory gardner there uh purdue in georgia iowa is uh joni ernst maine susan collins we're going to get to collins in a second because she's just disgraceful um and that oh excuse me again the phone calls um montana is uh steve danes there and then north carolina as i said um tom tillis so she's not wrong in naming the state but she this is you know this is another concession as far as uh joy bayar goes the supreme court you know like i said the media are having to accept it the democrat party's having to accept it. now you even got bayar on the view accepting it that 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 you know i'm telling you the, the democrat party if i had a piece of advice for them in the senate i'd say watch your antics over this next few weeks and how you go about it but they won't and they don't listen now as far as concerning the whole rest of the country you always hear you always hear that oh no biden won't really do this or you know biden won't really ban fracking or biden isn't really that radical or biden won't really come for your guns really because the governor of virginia who uh, ralph northam who has been just trying to destroy virginia as best as he possibly can listen to this 36 virginians firearms seized under new law so you really don't think they're coming for your guns nearly 40 virginians have had their firearms seized some permanently after the state instituted a red flag law on july um first now listen to this because uh here's the here's the uh, article in the daily caller in one case virginia police officers reportedly seized 13 firearms from a ptsd diagnosed veteran who engaged in a standoff with police and another a man was able to repossess his guns after he testified claims from family members that he pulled a handgun on them were false the red flag law is wrong because anybody who is spiteful can have someone's guns taken from them um that that was um uh, uh according to the um winchester star now firearms policy coalition they're all about guns in the second amendment says this there is no sufficient evidence showing that these laws have any effect on crime prevention and though legislators claim these laws benefit the mentally ill and the general public the same politicians won't admit that this class of legislation is invariably problematic initial firearm seizure hearings are usually held without the respondent's knowledge leaving them defenseless and even if the respondent were present the burden of proof for the state is remarkably low for the initial seizure um hearing especially considering that no crime has been committed and even lower for the uh, subsequent final hearing so you want to tell me that they're no they're not i i witnessed it myself here in new york we have the safe act which by the way the governor gets passed in the middle of the night so when you hear that biden's not that radical Biden, beto o'rourke himself listen to them when they talk beto o'rourke says quote hell yes i'm coming for your guns they're doing it in virginia it's happened here in new york it will continue in a biden administration the second amendment will be totally and completely under attack 
That's another reason this selection is so very important. Now, I've made the argument before that Donald Trump has done more for the African-American community than Biden Obama did in eight years, whether that be criminal justice reform, the First Step Act, uh, the expedited investigation into George Floyd, opportunity zones, school choice, $250 million annually now will be given because of Donald Trump to historically black colleges and universities. Now, I want to stick on the topic of the HBCUs because listen to this headline. Trump administration sending Abbott Labs rapid coronavirus tests to every historically black college and university in the country. The Trump administration um, moved to do this. Um, and the coronavirus task force testing czar, um, that's um, Admiral Brett uh, Girard. Uh, the Admiral, I'll give you that, you know, I am not pronouncing names, uh, said in an interview with the McClatchy Company uh, that they were going to purchase and distribute, listen to this, 150 million of Abbott's rapid tests um, to at-risk populations. Admiral said, we know they've been underserved historically, and we just want to support them. It is a fact except for a few very high-tech, globally competitive universities that many of these are small, rural, and do not have the, the kind of laboratory capacity that other universities do. Again, the Trump administration doing more for HBCUs, more for the black community than Barack Obama and Joe Biden ever did, and they had eight years <clears throat> in charge. I want to move forward now to uh, two, two of the probably bigger stories um, of the day. That being that the debate um, uh, topics have been put out by, uh, by the, um, I got it right here. It's uh, the Commission on Presidential Debates. Listen to the topics. And Breitbart, uh, Joel Pollock sort of pointed out, uh, had an article about this. That what's, I think that when I read you this list here, think more or less about what's missing there. Here's what Chris Wallace, moderator of the first debate, has selected uh, as topics for the debate. The Trump and Biden records, the Supreme Court, COVID-19, the economy, race and violence in our cities, the integrity of the election. Like I said, Joe Pollack points out, says, well, where's foreign policy? Where's abortion or climate change or immigration or healthcare or education? and other voter issues. Well, they're nowhere to be seen there as far as Chris Wallace's list goes. But I hope that as we go more and more throughout the uh, presidential debates that we'll see all of that being addressed. But Biden and Trump records, I go through the, the records all the time. Donald Trump is one of the new things he's saying. He's done more in 47 months than Joe Biden's done in 47 years. I think Trump wins there. As far as the Supreme Court goes, well, we're going to have a six to three conservative Republican majority on the Supreme Court. How could that possibly be a win for Joe Biden? COVID-19, we know that everything that Donald Trump has implemented, as far as COVID-19 goes, except for the fact but that, uh, by the way, that Biden would have done the exact same thing. His whole thing with saying he would have shut the country down two weeks earlier is a complete and utter lie. 
Joe Biden was running to be the Democratic nominee two weeks before Donald Trump implemented the travel ban uh, on China, which Biden called himself. This is not going to change. Again, you notice Biden always has to walk back his previous statements, whether it be on fracking, you know, whether it be on the Green New Deal, which, by the way, now he's coming out and saying that he, his deal goes farther than the Green New Deal. $93 trillion to, indeed, bankrupt this country. Now he's got a flip-flop on the travel ban as well, because when Donald Trump implemented it, Joe Biden called it fear-mongering. He called it racist xenophobia. So there would have been hundreds of thousands more Americans dead at the hands of COVID-19 if Joe Biden was the president. Trump absolutely wins there. The economy, I don't even have to get in the economy with Donald Trump having record low unemployment for blacks, for Asians, for Latinos, for women, for youths, for disabled Americans. Joe Biden, Barack Obama, 95 million Americans were out of the labor force under Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Race and violence in our cities. Well, the Republican um, convention highlighted this perfectly, that, that we need to stop what's going on there. The Democrat convention didn't even mention what was happening in the streets of major American cities, overwhelmingly run by Democrats. They didn't even care to mention it. In fact, Jerry Nadler said that it's a total myth, that it's just not happening. That's their way of combating race and violence in the cities, is to ignore that it's even happening. And the integrity of the election, really? There's only one party that's been out there saying that, well, well we'll have to forcibly remove Donald Trump. He's not going to leave. But now even um, Axios running the report, you know, with the uh, with their guy there saying that um, it could be an over, it could be a landslide for Donald Trump on election night. Oh, but once the mail-in voting comes, then it could be then it could be determined that Joe Biden has actually won the election. You know, if you can go out and grocery shop. If you can go out and go to work, if you can go to bars, if you can go to restaurants, if you can go anywhere, you know, wearing whatever, wear the mask if you'd like, you can definitely go out in person and vote. There's only one side trying to steal the election, and it is not the Republican Party. Now, uh, to uh, further the point as far as uh, race violence in our cities, listen to this. House Republicans urge FBI to investigate funding behind recent riots. Now, I would even say you don't have to wait. Why do we have to investigate? You know, we know. Yeah, and by the way, here's the headline just so I can uh, give you more context to it. A number of House Republicans urging the FBI to investigate who has been funding the recent riots across the country and bring federal charges against those who they are saying are aiding and abetting criminal activity. Oh, and as far as criminal activity goes, you see Bloomberg out there wanting to pay for felons, to pay for their bail, pay to get them out so they can vote. That's got to be some illegal activity there. Anyway, the Department of Justice and FBI's leadership is needed to bring to justice those who have funded these criminal organizations and to give justice to the communities who have been devastated by these individuals and organization. That was um, 
a letter to the FBI Director Christopher Ray, who I believe House Republicans and maybe even Senate Republicans at this point in time are losing faith in. I know Jim Jordan, congressman from Ohio, has definitely lost faith in Christopher Ray. Uh, that was a letter sent by uh, uh, Andy Biggs uh, from uh, um, nearly two dozen other Republicans. Well, I you look for I got who can you start with? Who's the number one suspect there? Open Society Foundation. Newt Gingrich called it right last week. All funded by George Soros, the man who shall not be named in the Democrat Party or the news media. It's all George Soros. He's got his hands all over this. Why is everyone so afraid to name George Soros? You know, Marie Harf, without any evidence, without any proof, no, he's not funny. Newt Gingrich hit the nail right on the head. Fox News knew it at that point. It was so. It was the weirdest interview that you've ever seen. But Gingrich had it absolutely correct. One of the reporters, a uh, quick note before I get into um, Susan Collins, uh, asked McConnell, why not listen to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying wish, apparently to allow the next president to make this decision? Now, before I get into what McConnell said, who can possibly confirm that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, on her her bed as she's dying, her last wish, oh, I, I don't want Trump to pick my replacement. You know, who can possibly confirm that? McConnell answering, I prefer another thing she said recently, which is she felt the number of the Supreme Court ought to be nine. Now, on top of that, Ruth Bader Ginsburg also said that packing the court is a bad idea. Again, what Democrats are advocating for. She said it's a bad idea and it makes the court look partisan. McConnell's right as well, where she did say that she thinks the Supreme Court ought to be nine. Now, by the way, it is another reason why it's so important to have the new justice on the court before the election is because any disputes going into the election, the whole Democrat scheme with their mail-in voting goes, you need to have nine people on the court. You need to have a decision made as far as, you know, what's being brought in front of them. You know, you need to have nine. You can't have a 4-4 a tie in the Supreme Court, especially when it's involving a presidential election. Susan Collins, now let me get to her. She just doesn't get it. She really doesn't. I don't know if she wants to, you know, get publicity for herself, but she is a total and complete joke. Senator Collins in the Epic Times says she'll vote against Trump's Supreme Court nominee. Senator Susan Collins said Tuesday that she'll vote no on whomever President Donald Trump nominates to the Supreme Court if the Senate votes on the nominee before the November 3rd election. Quote, I made it very clear, yes, that I did not think there should be a vote prior to the election. And if there is one, I would oppose the nominee, not because I might not support that nominee under normal circumstances, but we're simply too close to the election. And in the interest of being fair to the American people and consistent since it was with the Garland nomination that the decision was made not to proceed, a decision that I disagreed with, but my position did not prevail. I now think we need to play by the same set of rules. That is what Susan Collins is saying. So Amy Coney Barrett, 
Barbara Lagoya, whoever it is that the president chooses to nominate. There you go. You got someone who's supposed to be on your side. And by the way, this is this is a fierce, a tight election. You need to choose one side or the other. As far as Susan Collins goes, I don't I don't want her anywhere near the Republican Party at that point. And I know that that's something that's echoed all throughout this country right now as far as Republicans go. Because Romney actually gets it. Donald Trump will not be around in five years' time. However, whoever is going to be nominated and confirmed to the Supreme Court could be around for the next 30 to 40 years. A, a woman, whether it be um, Coney Barrett or Lagoyas, who has worked their tail off to get to the position there is, they're in right now. There you go. That's what Susan Collins, who's supposed to be on your team, says, I will oppose Donald Trump's nomination. What a total and complete joke she really, truly is. Okay, it doesn't get any better on the, as far as, uh, how about this, Kamala Harris says, police won't make communities safe. Here's her quote. What do we, what we will do is reimagine public safety. And that's been something she's been talking about for a long, long time as well. Lord only knows what reimagining public safety will actually look like. I don't want to gamble with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, or as Kamala Harris has pointed out herself, a Harris administration alongside Joe Biden. Now they don't even have a not, they don't even have a list put out as far as the next Supreme Court justice that they would put. God forbid they ever get power. Biden couldn't even come up with a list. When it comes to Donald Trump, he's had his list out. He's looking to get either Coney Barrett or Lagois on the Supreme Court. And the Democrats, they can throw their temper tantrum all they want. In fact, I would like to see hearings. Let me reiterate. I would like to see hearings. I would like to see Schumer. I would like to see the Democrats totally destroy themselves like they did in 2018. They are not intelligent enough to understand that that lost them the Senate in 2018. You know, if there's hearings and whether, you know, we need to have the vote before the election. We absolutely, it is imperative to have nine people on the Supreme Court before November 3rd. Because November 3rd is one of the biggest choices we are ever going to see in our lifetime. Let me reiterate Joe Biden and what he did. You know, not only did he have 95 million Americans out of the labor force, but as well as Biden, Obama, they also had the lowest labor participation rate since the 1970s. They had the lowest home ownership rate since the 1960s. They had 13 million more Americans on food stamps than when they took office in 2009. Under Obama, Biden, one in five families didn't have a single person in the workforce. One in six men between the ages of 18 and 34 were either not working or incarcerated. These are the people that accumulated more debt than any other president combined. This is like I said, if Biden wins, China wins. We will bow down to China if Joe Biden is elected. Donald Trump, compare that to Donald Trump. We've gone through the economy, how he's incentivized companies and businesses to repatriate jobs, build and work in the U.S. This is the same Donald Trump that's got new trade deals with China, 
with Japan, with Mexico and Canada, as far as the USMCA goes, totally out of the Paris Climate Accord, saving billions of dollars, you know, that we can keep here, then rather that go overseas, trillions of dollars he's given to the U.S. military. He's built almost 300 miles on the uh, southern border wall, um, you know, and as far as um, Roe v. Wade goes, this is the most pro-life president we've probably ever seen. You know, he could have, he's got over 200 judges confirmed now throughout the country, but he could possibly have three Supreme Court justices uh, confirmed in the first term of his presidency. How about the death of Soleimani? How about al-Baghdadi? How about something I said he never gets enough credit for, that being 100% of the ISIS caliphate, totally wiped out and destroyed. Tax cuts for hardworking Americans that Joe Biden says he's going to raise taxes. That's politics 101. You never say you're going to raise taxes. How stupid can you be? Prescription drug costs lowered under Donald J. Trump. I always say it's on these 15 states and who decide if we be, if we open the door to socialism or do we keep our free market capitalism economy that we love and cherish so much. Florida, Pennsylvania, where the president was tonight, Ohio, North Carolina, Arizona, Wisconsin, Minnesota, very much in play Minnesota, Colorado, Iowa, New Mexico, New Hampshire, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, and Utah. You 15 states will have the power. Who do you want if there's another vacancy on the Supreme Court in um, 20, between 2020 and 2024? Who do you want? Do you want someone that already has the list of originalists and constitutional justices that he says he'll put on there or a man that hasn't even put a list out yet as far as who would he would possibly pick for the Supreme Court. You know, the, the two campaigns, there couldn't be, it couldn't be further, you know, apart from each other. Donald Trump, who does rally after rally after rally, who goes out, sees the American people every single night, yet you have Joe Biden, who maybe once, twice a week, gets out of his basement bunker, who can't even do, you know, a town hall unless he, he's got the questions written for him. He needs a teleprompter to answer questions. You know, you have Donald Trump completely prepared, wanting to work, wanting to help the American people. And yet, a, and you got on the left a scripted joke of a campaign and a scripted joke of a candidate in Joe Biden. I mean, he needs a teleprompter to answer questions. What a total fool he really well and truly is. You know, Don Lemon now advocating, we got to burn it all down. Is that really what we want? If you want the rioting to continue on our major American cities, elect Joe Biden. You want to bow down to China? You want to open the door to socialism? Elect Joe Biden. But I think that that is a, such a small majority of this country. More and every single day, I get more and more confident that we're going to see an absolute Donald Trump landslide. And the thing I would love more than anything else come November 3rd is to have Donald J. Trump reelected, is to have the Republicans hold the Senate, is to have Republicans regain the House, and have Republicans in total and complete control of the Supreme Court. 
all of that combined together really truly outlines how we can honestly make America great again, again.